Zion Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, the voice actor's guide to professional home recording. We have a special guest with us, James Alberger, and he's been on before because the book that he has, it's a legacy book, The Art of Voice Acting and uh, the Craft and Business of Performing for VoiceOver. So we'll welcome him to the program. You're going to learn everything you want about professional home recording. So stay with us here. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to will use the Hamilton Stage Rocker Mic Stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And by Orlex Acoustics, which they have one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Orlex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's your room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. And now, here's James Alberger. Hello. (laughs) <laughs> want to hype you up you don't need any hype you've no, uh, done a lot for the industry if people only knew with uh, emmys and books and you cover every subject and now you're going to cover professional recording is that correct yeah we'll get into what it takes to record a high quality voice track and high quality audio at home well you among other things but you've cut your teeth on this and this is really yeah. where is when you say that you've gotten the majority of your accolades with professional home recording or just one of many <laughs> that's just one of many things uh, i've actually i've started learning about recording at home you know when i was 12 because i basically i taught myself to edit music when i was 12 years old and that led me into beginning some attempts at voiceover, which led me into taking radio classes in college, later working in recording studios in Hollywood, a 25-year career in television where I was directing and working with voice talent uh, every single day. And during my tenure with NBC here in San Diego, I designed two audio control rooms and a remote television audio truck. And that was both from the the technology side and the acoustic side. So, well, I'll tell you what, you get right down to it when you talk about technical information and one of the chapters about technical information, you say, why is it so important? And just uh, the lead in here said, we seem to live in a world that is becoming more and more technical in nature. The days of simplicity appear to be all gone 
everything is technical in a perfect world, we would be able to record our voice simply by pressing a button. And through advances in computer audio technology, it's, it is that simple that uh, when it comes to, to, or do you prefer to make it simple when it comes to uh, technical audio information? Uh, well, I've, I've always been one who believes in the simpler, the better. Uh, it's, it's very, very easy to overly complicate most things in our lives. So the simpler it is, the easier it is to understand, the easier something is to use, I think just improves efficiency and makes, makes it better and makes life so much easier. Um, that said, you know, as I say in the, in the book, it's, you know, we're in an age of technology where it seems like there's new innovations and new technology that's being invented every day. And some of it, oh, let's just say it's not all that user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, specifically, I, what do you think? I mean, uh, you don't have to name the brands, but... Uh... Well, I, th I think what happens is there's a lot of companies out there, uh, so especially software developers, who have a brilliant concept for some software. Maybe, might be recording software, might be signal processing or whatever. And they've got this brilliant idea. And what they do is they take that idea and they'll hand it off to their development team, who are a bunch of geeks who <laughs> love to work in code. And, you know, the, these code geeks figure out what they're going to do to make this particular concept work. And they come up with something that is absolutely wonderful if you're mm. a geek. <laughs> right. and That's you like working with code and you can, you know, you can understand all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, however, for, you know, a, a regular real life human being who all they want to do is use the tool to accomplish something. Sometimes the geeks make it too difficult. Yes. I heard about something like that. Steve Jobs, he was insulted by someone in the audience. It's a famous scene that went on about DocX or something, something that was popular at the time. Open, open Docs is what it was. And he, he got upset. Why did you kill that? Because Open Docs, and he answered almost similar to you. He said, you know, that people who are into that kind of thing, who like the technology, but for everyday use or to make it simple, that sometimes you have to cut ties with things, even if they work. Mm -hmm. But if yep. they're too complicated, forget it. Yeah, I was actually um, browsing through uh, a number of websites today, and uh, on one of the one of the websites that I visited, there was a, a video demo where the I was really re researching voice talent, and this particular voice actor was doing the narration. It was a video example of her work, and her vo her delivery was wonderful. But I'm looking at the video. And the video's got command line codes scrolling the page, you know, something like right <laughs> out of the matrix. And in her description is, okay, and to, and to use our product, all you have to do is you configure this particular section, and then you add on this, you configure that part, come down here, customize this little line, and you're done. And I'm thinking, really? I have no, absolutely no desire to have about? to go through <laughs> that kind of a process to use a piece of software. No, give me oh. some give me some simple check boxes, or a fill in blank in a in a on you know in a in, in an installation form, where all that code and all that other stuff is going to be handled in the background, and let me just let me just work 
in the simplest and most efficient manner possible to get the job done. Hmm. You know, I think about that not only for voiceovers, but you could look at uh, regular acting that when they the best performances is when they're really dialed in. They remove all the complicated stuff. Yep. And it's just it could be someone eating a meal or something simple. And uh, and I don't know why that it's very transparent when someone is able to do that. Why? Why do we make everything so complicated, both with the voiceovers and also with the uh, audio recording? Well, uh I face this a lot in my workshops is I'll have students come in uh, who are learning the process of either creating a character or woodshedding a script or, you know, figuring out how, how to deliver a particular piece of copy. And every actor is trained, and I'll just talk on the acting side for a second here, but every actor is trained to analyze the the script that they're working with, whether it's voiceover or whether it's a stage play or a movie. The actor needs to do a certain level of analysis in order to simply understand what that role is all about, how that particular character that they are playing interacts with other characters, how the scene evolves and develops. You know, all of these different facets, it's not about the words. Any performance is not about the words. It's about everything that goes on around, underneath, on top of, and behind the words. Interesting. Which is all subtext. And mm -hmm. it's all uh, mostly emotionally driven. So as an actor, we've got to understand all that stuff that's going on. Well, that requires analysis and, and woodshedding. And what happens is when somebody is learning their craft they have a tendency to overdo it and they get mm -hmm. into an analysis rut and they start overthinking something like, you know, on the inflection of, of, of a single word, do I emphasize the word or do I de-emphasize it or do I stretch it out or do I say it really fast? You know, what am I, how am I going to say this word or phrase? And when, when an actor starts to overthink, they're not in the moment. Yeah. An actor has to live in the moment in order for the performance to be authentic and real. Are they, where do people get confused? Because what they really want to do is, you know, whether it be singing or whether it be voiceovers, whatever it may be, how do, how do they get lost in the process? Do they start first with, uh, you know, they get hung up on the microphone or do they ignore certain things? Well, they, it could be any, any number of things. Um, there, how can I, how can I say this? There, well, there are, are multiple facets to recording in a home studio, or as I really would like to prefer to call it is a personal recording space. Mm -hmm. A home studio has become kind of a trite stereotyped term that could mean anything from a microphone in somebody's kitchen table to a really acoustically well-designed uh, recording room uh, or anything in between. So a personal recording space is, I think, a little bit more uh, appropriate for describing it. But there's so many facets to that. Uh, there's the acoustics of the environment that have to be considered. There's the, uh, the equipment that's going to go into the space. And there are considerations about that which we can talk about. And there's the, the software that's going to be used. 
uh, either for recording or for signal processing afterwards. And there's uh, the editing, which is post-production, how, you know, that's you another that. level. <laughs> I mean, recording is one thing. Editing is something else entirely. And then there's how are you going to be dealing with your clients in terms of delivery? Because not everything can be emailed. So yeah, that's right. you need to know the other options and, you know, how are you going to deliver the files? How mm-hmm. do you render the files? What file format are you going to use for which client and for what? So there are a, a whole bunch of different factors that can get really confusing for somebody who isn't uh, well-trained or well-initiated in the technology side of the voiceover world. Do you advise people to um, to start simple, like just get first, if you can, the best microphone you can or, or start small and build? Or do you say, hey, if you can, just get it all, you know, everything that you can first and build that room and then begin with what you're doing? I mean, really pay attention to, you know, the home recording studio or do you do it incrementally? Um, well, the recording environment is critical to getting voiceover work, but it does not have to be a million dollar studio. So my personal philosophy when I'm talking to one of my students or when I'm consulting with somebody on on their personal space, what I recommend is, uh, first off, if you have a space in your home that already has decent acoustics, start there. Get, mm-hmm. get a decent microphone, get one that's going to make your voice sound good, get the basic equipment you need. And the basic equipment for a, a home studio will cost under $300 if you do it right. Mm, not bad. That does not include the computer or software if you're purchasing software. But you can get a USB interface, uh, a copy stand, microphone stand, and a, a, a relatively decent microphone, all for under $300. Yeah, maybe that's a little really, bit more. That's amazing. And how many businesses or potential businesses can you get for $300 where you can be up and running and, uh, you know, get on one of the pay-per-play sites maybe or just, uh, you know, start start your life? Yeah, well, <laughs> in, well in have, having that basic equipment does not necessarily mean you're going to be up and running. That's, mm. That means you're going to have some basic equipment that will record a fairly decent quality for your recordings does not mean that you are going to be uh, actually in business as a voice talent because the equipment is not your performing skills. I see. You know, your performance is not about the gear you have. We, we got to play that over again because uh, I think people need <laughs> I think a lot of people get seduced by the equipment and think oh, yeah. you, you must be mistaken. When I get those uh, those monitors and when I get the mixer and I have the preamp, um, they, they must fall in love. And you're saying it's all about that you got to spend more time on technique and don't think about those things right away. No. Yeah. You don't need high-end equipment to have good voiceover recordings. The more important part of it is the performance. How are you going to right. be, how are you dealing with the performance side of things? And on a scale of 10, people that you run in contact with, how often do they make that the priority? Um, you know, most of the people that I work with don't have any equipment yet. I'm, st- I'm working with a lot of students who are just, at, you know, very beginning entry level and they're taking my workshop and my training 
simply to determine whether this is something they really want to pursue. So I'm able mm -hmm. to give them some guidance along that line. Um, so most of them don't have equipment. The ones that do have either read my book or they've had some advice from other coaches who think the way that I do, and you know they've been fairly smart in their decisions on purchasing equipment. And they've got, they've got gear that is good. Uh, it's professional standards. Uh, they've got a good microphone. You know, they spent 150 to 250 on a microphone, which is more than adequate for uh, uh, for for most voice actors. And they've spent a little bit of money on fixing the acoustics of the space. Mm -hmm. And we can get into the acoustics side of things later because it doesn't have to cost a lot. As far as your love for for sound and acoustics and and for audio, how is it? heightened than the average person. I mean, you think of it, it's really a science, is it not? And how do you see it differently than, let's just say, the average Joe? Um, I'm not sure I really see it is, all that much. Is it like someone who hears music? Is it, is it, what is, because there's something very, that you're very passionate about. Now you're very accomplished too, but what is it about this genre that really gets you excited? Why is it, is it the scientific part of it? Is it the fact that there is a problem solving element to it? Is it the fact that all these things work together? Um, it seems you, you catch a lot of people with a little bit of a cry for help. You know, it all starts with, I have a big problem. I have an echo or I have a It's There's something about like, uh, you're like the 911 guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, love, I love sol uh, problem solving. So, uh, in fact, I've, I've had a number of my students and, and clients who've done that just exactly what you're describing. They call me up and they say, hey, I've got problems with my recordings. Can you help? And mm -hmm. I have to go through a you know process of getting some, them to send me some photographs, and we you know end up doing a video conference if they're local. I've done consultations on site, uh, you know, to isolate and identify what the problem is. I had one client who wanted to record; they were they really wanted to record music, uh, live instruments, and vocals in their home, and. I said, okay, what's the problem? So, well, okay, here's the problem. Our home is on a busy intersection, and literally it was on the corner of two very busy streets. <laughs> Not only that, but the home had, it was a very old home, and it had uh, a raised floor. So you had to go up like three steps to get to the floor of the house. So the whole bottom of the house is raised above the ground by about you know two, two or three feet. So that created some interesting uh, challenges. And the, the biggest problem was that the windows were single-pane glass. Hmm. And the inside of the room was a uh, very old lath and plaster. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so I'm, that particular s situation, uh, you know, they brought me over for a consultation, and I basically had to tell them, okay, you've got some options here. But these are all the things that you're going to be fighting. You're going to have your because because the floor is raised. You're going to have creaking floors. Anytime you move, the wood's going to creak, and there were a lot. There was a lot of that. Even though it was carpeted, there was still the wood creaking under the carpeting. Um, because the floor is raised off the ground, it's reducing some of the vibration from the traffic on the two streets that they were adjacent to. But they did get rumble that came right up through 
the floor. So there's some low frequency energy coming up through the floor. The lath and plaster walls created very hard reflective surfaces, lots of echo and bounce in the room, also had a lath and plaster ceiling. So that didn't help. And the lath and plaster, it's not like drywall. You just can't you know, put a screw into the lath and plaster and have it hold. It's a whole different kind of world mm-hmm. because the plaster tends to chip and break and that's right. You know, just fracture. You're talking my language right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's got, they had problems. And of course, the single glass windows, I said, if you're, the first thing you need to do, if you're going to do anything with this, is you need to replace the windows with at least double pane, preferably triple pane windows to kill any sound coming in and make sure that your exterior walls are well insulated. We've been talking with James Allberger. The name of his book is The Voice Actor's Guide to Professional Home Recording. He also has a legacy book called The Art of Voice Acting, and it's the craft and business of performing voiceover uh, for voiceover. So, okay, so before we go to commercial break here, um, let's just recap some of the things that we're learning, okay? So at the beginning, you get a good microphone, you start simple, you... Don't try to just go right into voiceovers right away. Not so fast. Learn technique. Maybe get a coach. Uh, take classes. And uh, and then it comes to making sure you know your room and then you get all the reflections down. What did I miss? Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It's- all right. We're going to come back in just a second. I just want to let our audience know that great audio starts with great gear and Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom and we're for creators. You ever use that? What's Zoom? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, my field recorder is a Zoom F8. And I absolutely love it. And <laughs> they're going to love that. <laughs> That's, I mean, there's so much good, there's, there's really good audio uh, uh, capability. And it, it's funny because uh, I am my, um, my stepfather, not my stepfather, my uh, father-in-law, he had one of these, uh, you know, recorders and, and it's amazing how clear the, the quality is. What's the most important thing right now that you want to get into when it comes to home recording? And uh, if you have to, Shout out to people right here at this particular point and say, this is what we need to focus on. Um, is it, do you have to be in it for all the details, the long haul, or can you, can we really just simplify it? It's, you have to really make a science out of it or, or what's uh, you've made a science out of it. Well, I, I have, but that's me. I mean, most people aren't like me. Discovered that over all these years, <laughs> which is probably a good thing, actually. Well, you're but, detail-oriented. You help people, that's for sure. But um, what's next on your list here to talk about? What, what makes the most sense uh, driving any points home? Well, I think, you know, as you were reviewing uh, what we've learned so far, I think you've pretty much nailed the process. Uh, it's in voiceover, especially, it's it's not about the equipment. In fact, in the fifth edition of my book, the one that you have, uh, if you read uh, Joe Cipriano's introduction, his preface to the book, that's what he talks about. It's not about the microphone. And it really isn't. It's about what you can do as an, as an actor. So the performing skills and the training in your, your acting training, your performing, how are you going to work with the script, that is critically important. Understanding how the business of voiceover works. 
is critically mm-hmm. important. And I think those two things need to really be uh, understood, and you need to have a grasp of those aspects of voiceover really before you ever even start putting your studio together. Uh, most people have a laptop computer. You can use the laptop microphone on your computer. Download Audacity. It's free recording software, and it's very, very good. And there's mm-hmm. a new version that they're working on now that's going to be even better because it'll do punch and roll recordings. Awesome. Been waiting does that, for that update for a long just time. out of curiosity? Because I have Audacity, and does that automatic? Do you have to just um, uninstall it and then install the new, or does it constantly update? Well, I don't believe Audacity has automatic updates, so um, I ha- I find that I have to go to the you know to their website occasionally just to see what's new. Um, but you know that's not all that inconvenient. It's not a problem. They up- they update about every six months. They'll do some kind of updating for it. Um, as we're recording right now, they are on version two dot two dot two. And okay. I was just online yesterday uh, looking at some things, and they're actually working on – they have an alpha version, which is a first-generation uh, version of 2.2.3. And the 2.2.3 is going to be adding in a function, which is called punch and roll, where you, actually, you can actually be playing back a recording of something you've already done and then just hit the record button and – instantly continue recording. I think it's going to be on the same track. Wow. Um, you, it'll do that now, but it's not a really convenient and process because in Audacity right now, anytime you hit the record button, it opens a new track and starts recording. That's right. So, um, and when would you use that, uh, that feature, that punch and roll? What, what's well, an if you're doing a pickup, If you're doing a pickup edit, you've got to go back and replace a word or a few words in something. You can go in, you edit out the part that you need to replace you back up a little bit, listen to what you're doing, start talking along with it, and then hit the record button as you start speaking the words that need to be replaced, and then click stop to get out of it. Hmm. So it's it's called a punch-in edit. Interesting. Or you can do that also if you've made a mistake, you go back, you delete the part that was that you said wrong, and you play back a little bit before that, give yourself maybe 10 seconds before, and you play up to the point where you made the mistake or where you made your edit, and then hit record and you just continue on from there. That's if a you are punch-in. a casting director, okay, yes. and you're listening to different, you know, you'll just say voices.com or voice123 or any of those, you know, I'm just, or just someone maybe who's, a, a, oh, I should say, an agent, okay? Right. And you have all these different submissions. And how much can they tell great audio quality, you know, because there's so much different equipment and you can hook it up this way and that way. Can they tell the difference between one level or another? And uh, what separates the men from the boys or the women from the girls, if you will, in this business? Okay, uh, two things, primarily separate the uh, the amateurs from the pros. Yes, and I'll just put better. it I'll just make it in, into those two generic categories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing is, well, let me just back up a little bit and preface it. It's largely going to depend on how that particular uh, agent or talent buyer is listening to the auditions. If they're listening through their computer under headphones, they'll be hearing, 
the, the actual quality of the recording. If they're listening off their laptop speakers, it's not going to sound all that great. And you really can't tell uh, a lot of the difference in the recording quality over laptop speakers. It takes a better speaker system or headphones to really monitor that. Uh, so just with that being spoken, let's just assume that we're either listening under headphones or we have good, true audio recording, not earbuds, headphones, closed okay. ear headphones, like what you're wearing right now, uh, or that we're listening in a studio environment over really good speakers. Mm-hmm. So those will, I'll, that'll be the condition for monitoring the auditions. So here are the two things that mm -hmm. the agent or talent buyer is going to be listening for. The first thing is in the performance. How does that performer deal with the performance? How do they treat the words? How, do they, how is their articulation, their enunciation, their timing, their phrasing? What is their dynamic range in the delivery? How are they dealing with the pauses and the beats of telling that story? How do they tell the story? Uh, is their intonation totally flat and uninvolved or is there some variety and some dynamics and maybe some subtext and emotional drama that's being injected into the story you know it's the performance that's yes. going to generally be the first thing that the talent buyer listens for why is it the first thing because that's what's important it's not about the the gear or the equipment the second thing that they're going to be listening for and often they'll be doing it simultaneously, is what is the quality of the recording? Is there echo in the room? Is, is there noise, you know, leaf blower going on outside? Are there sirens going past? You know, what's, <laughs> oh boy, what's going on in the recording? Is it, is it acoustically dead? You know, so it's a clean, pristine recording. They'll be listening for that. Now, with that said... Even if you've got a home recording space that is not ideal, there is software and there are even plugins in Audacity that can be used to help improve the sonic quality of recordings. Things called denoisers mm -hmm. uh, or noise reduction, I believe is what they call it in Audacity. Um, there's signal processing tools that can be used to help improve the quality of the sound. And uh, some of the more sophisticated software, things like uh, Adobe Audition, um, there are other tools by Waves and Isotope that you can literally go in to a, a segment of audio and see that sound in a spectral array. And you can literally go in and if you hear a cricket chirping, you can actually see where the cricket is chirping in the display. Wow. <laughs> highlight the cricket chirps, click delete, and the cricket is gone. <laughs> and it doesn't affect the sound of anything else. It's so precise Amazing. on removing only those sounds. Um, that kind of software is expensive. You know, and only the pros really are going to be able to afford that level of sophistication. And are you saying that these people can tell? These, these oh, yeah. agents oh, yeah. or they oh, can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even if it's like Voice123 or Voices.com, any of those, it doesn't matter. They can hear it. They can, yeah, it doesn't matter. They can hear it. Hmm. And, and the talent buyers, I mean, if, they're, if they're really professional and they're looking for, you know, looking for quality, um, 
which is going to be most of the talent agents who are booking talent and not going through the pay-to-plays. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other category uh, of performance quality that you know we can get into it if you want, but I try to avoid the pay-to-plays for a variety of reasons. But I'm talking more about uh, the legitimate talent agents who are representing talent and, uh, and national talent, national talent, even even local talent. I mean, there are mm-hmm. local agencies who represent local talent too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quality still needs to be there, and there are a lot of local talent don't have ha- have the, the the facilities or the capability to really uh, have a high end acoustically sound environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with my studio here, uh, you know, I'm in San Diego, but I'm I'm like five miles away from the Miramar Marine Base. So when the Marines decide to start flying their big helicopters, their double rotor <laughs> choppers, or yeah. they're deciding to fly their jets, the jets go off over La Jolla, and then they do a 180-degree turn and come flying right over my part of town. Well, when I've got the helicopters traveling up I-15 or the jets flying over my house, there's not a lot I can do except stop until wow. the sound goes away and then I can pick up and start recording again. Because I do, I have an extremely well, high quality, acoustically treated environment, but it is not soundproof. Mm-hmm. My studio's in my home. Um, personally, I don't want to spend twenty or $30,000 to build another room inside one of my bedrooms to create an isolated perfectly acoustic uh, floating room. And do you find that that there are people who say, you know what, I want to take maybe $10,000 out of my retirement fund and I'm going to build a voiceover studio and all that. I'm going to get into voiceovers. And do you say that's a mistake or would you say, don't, don't put that money in like that. Don't do it. Not yet. Yeah. Wait till you get some clients. Wait till you have uh, an established client base that you've got a steady revenue stream coming in from your voiceover work uh, before you invest that kind of money in, in it. Start off, start small. Start off with a good sounding microphone. And by- so getting back to those talent agents, uh, those beats that you mentioned, how do you learn those beats? How do you go from being... Yeah, how did people blossom in this business like that to go from flat to hitting all the beats? Some people can't. Uh, we'll start there. Uh, all right. Not everybody that wants to do voiceover is really capable of doing voiceover. I know it's it's doesn't sound very nice. It might sound a little harsh, <laughs> but it's it's a stark reality. You know, not everybody is cut out to be an Olympic swimmer. Hmm. It's the same thing. Not everybody's cut out to be an actor. Uh, the, the, the understanding of the flow and the rhythm of a delivery is something that you just have to understand what it is. You just have to be able to hear it. Now, I don't think it's really something that can be taught. Because I've always, I've always kind of thought that myself, you know, I don't know where they find this. It's just a gift, isn't it? God given gift. You just have, it's an innate ability to just understand the flow of something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've worked with a lot of people and I've spent a lot of time, you know, I'll spend, I'll work with somebody. We'll work on one line of a script for an hour and I'll, 
you know, trying to get them to really understand what the flow is and how to give that delivery different treatments, different pacing, different rhythmic flows. And some people get it and some people will work for an hour and they, you know, they progressed, you know, just inches uh, and, and we'll still haven't got the concept down. So I, it's really something that I don't think can be easily taught. It's something you just have to be able to know. Uh, one of the things that I've always said is I, uh, I cannot teach somebody to act. What I can do is teach you to be a better actor. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've got to, you're coming into a workshop, and I think this is true with any voice talent, any kind of acting workshop, really. A student comes into that workshop with a certain level of talent already in place. What that is is going to vary widely. But it's the coach's job for that workshop to recognize where that talent is at this point in time and then take them further. Give through their direction, through their coaching, open up some um, some other options, let that actor explore other opportunities, other pathways, other ways of delivering something uh, to the best of their abilities. You ever see some of the ironies here where someone may come in and they want to use you as a coach, a vocal coach, and uh, they have all this great personality. And you're thinking, you know what, this person's going to make it. I, if they're anything like that. And then they get in front of the microphone and they're anything but like that. And then just the opposite. Then, then the ironic part is you get some introverted person who is like, I want to get into voiceovers. I, you know, don't really have a real personality or anything. And then they morph. As soon as yep. the mic comes on, they change. Why does that happen? You know, I don't have an answer for it, but I've had a couple of students that are exactly like what you just described. I had one of my students, um, this was probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, he, he took my workshop specifically for the reason that he wanted to explore his creative side. He wanted to get out of his left brain and play in it with his right brain. His profession, he was a computer engineer. So he dealt with precision, analysis, electronics, mathematics. I mean, he was about as left brain as you could get. And to meet him in person, uh, that's how he. That's what his personality was. He was. Very flat, very uh, introverted, very, um, very quiet, somewhat shy. And when he came into the workshop, he always set off, sat off to the side. He didn't really mingle or integrate with the others in the workshop. But when he walked into the booth and he picked up a script, it was like a light switch went on. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. And he, he sparkled, and he was amazing, and, um. You know, Penny and I were teaching the workshop at the time together, and we both encouraged him to continue and to, you know, get further training. And uh, he took some other workshops. And then at one point, he took a workshop with uh, another coach up in the L.A. area. And at, at one of the sessions, that particular coach told him, you know, you're never going to make it in voiceover. You just haven't got what it takes. Really? That devastated him. 
he came back from that class. He, he, he left that workshop, canceled the rest of the classes, came back, called us up and said, I'm, I'm getting out of voiceover. I'm selling all my gear. And, you know, Penny and I were just shocked at this. Um, and we completely blame that other coach. Uh, we think that, you know, this was the student's dream and passion and desire was to do something creative and to, you know, and, to, and have fun and productive. Yes. Whether he makes it as a professional career or not is, that's not the point. The point is he needed a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And he found that voiceover was something that he could use for that. And for this other coach to smash that dream and to squish that passion was, I just think, was uh, terribly inappropriate. What happened now? You got me curious. Did, did he ever snap out of it and say, nope. you know what, nope. I'm going to, he didn't. He just, nope. he, wow. qu- he, he quit. He left, stopped everything. I, and uh, we lost touch with him and I have no idea where he went or if, if he ever so how does that else. happen you see a sparkle and you saw the he had talent and the other one said something you know very opposite and uh maybe people have to i mean my goodness they have to be prepared for for that even you know mm-hmm. i mean uh there are people who want to better their lives lose weight go to school and then there are people who are dream killers out there i'm telling yep. you that uh, this this gift that that has to be uh, uh nurtured and fostered and uh and uh, that's like you said, and it has to be an outlet uh, for people. So what prevents people from stopping like that? I mean, there may be someone else who heard the same thing and they said, I'll show you. I'll show you. Yeah. I mean, it's a very individual kind of thing. Um, it, can, it can affect you. Know, people, he, just, yeah. he just took it personally. He took it very mm. personally. It's just so weird, though, because you get the, the other guy who comes in or the you know, woman who... Um, who has all the personality in the world and you would think that it just transfers over. I mean, and, and that's where you catch people. People say, look, people have told me I got a great voice and personality. I'd be great at voiceovers. Let me in front of that mic. And all of a sudden it just drops nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, got nothing. And uh, <laughs> so um, it, it really is. It is interesting how the talent either shines or it, uh, it falls flat. But um, so now, when you wrote this book about uh, about home recording and, and right. tell me, was it before the art of voice acting? No, that the uh, it's actually it's an ebook, so it's it's basically a PDF file. It's got a few hundred links in it that go off onto other directions because uh, the whole area of of uh, home recording, sound, audio, acoustics, you know, and everything that goes with that. There is so much detail that goes with that, that I figure rather than reinvent the wheel, I'm just going to send off links. I, you know, I know a lot of really good resources out on the internet. Go look there. If you want more information, here's where you need to go. So Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of links in there that do that. Uh, I could not do that in print. It would just be too unwieldy. Uh, too difficult to make it a functional. That's a good. I know people document. who have tried to do that, and that's the biggest complaint that they can't really use the. How are they going to do that? <laughs> yeah. For the links, and uh, and again, the uh, the uh, the author, of course, with us, uh, the man, the legend, James Alberger, and the book is called "The Voice Actor's Guide to Professional Home Recording," and uh, we have what, what uh, version is it now? It's it's currently in its second edition. 
Uh, and then you have the art of voice acting, which I understand is in its sixth edition. Yeah, it's going, going into it. On. Yep. Going into the sixth. I'm working on that now. Yeah. And it's, a, it, I mean, people should get both because you got to learn. I mean, it's amazing how much is covered. You, you, these books, honestly, okay. Both books could save people hundreds and if not thousands and thousands of dollars because mm-hmm. where you, you have to go everywhere to find the, uh, it's kind of like the old days. You have to go to the card catalog. If you want to get information you go to the library here, you just get the art of voice acting or the voice actor's guide to professional home recording and uh, have people written you. I'm sure you get emails or letters say, hey, I paid attention to this and my, my career took off. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get those. And by the way, both of those books are available at voiceacting.com. Voiceacting.com. Yeah, just thought I'd put that little. Yeah, that's in there. it. They, I'm glad that you did that because they got to know where to get it. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's so, the only place where the uh, the voice actor's guide to home recording is available. It's not on Amazon. Uh, you can't get it any place except through my website. Fair enough, and I think they should go get it now. The Let's talk about preamps for just a minute because they have audio interfaces yep. that have the preamp in them. Yep. And a lot of people think that's a preamp, you know, it comes with it. Well, and it, is. it is a preamp. It is a preamp. And some people say, hey, that's all you need. I've read, read some people in the business a long time that say, look, I'm tired of preamps. I'm just going to, uh, you know, the ones that are a lot of money, six, seven, eight, and a thousand dollars or to begin with. Uh, how important is that for the sound quality and what agents and the casting directors look for? Something like, um, I just throw a model out there like uh, the Focusrite ISA-1. All right, just an example, okay? And versus those audio interfaces that are preamps. And, and how, how much, you don't have the technique, I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Pretty much but, true, yeah. That is true. So it, it, you can go wasting your money on something and think I need a, an expensive preamp and it doesn't help. But when you reach a certain level, how, how important is that? I mean, is the kind of thing you give the audio to the folks, you know, I know that's, that people say, I like it flat, just give me the audio and I'll do what I need to do with it. Um, but how much more mustard do those preamps put on it? Not enough to justify their value, I don't think. Interesting. Um, now, Here's, here's the, the difference. If you are running a major recording studio and you're doing major label, major artist music recording, you need to have exceptionally good microphones. You'll probably have an assortment of Neumann U87s and U47s and Sennheisers and you know a whole bunch of really top-end microphones. And you'll also probably have a complement of really good preamps to power those microphones and to, you know, before they come into your mixer, which by the way, most audio boards also have microphone preamps built into the audio boards. Uh, 50, 75 years ago, you know, when I was first, I first got into sound recording professionally in 1972 when I worked at Bell Sound in Hollywood. And the studio had a really high-end audio console and the preamps were built into the console. So, you know, we weren't even using external preamps at that studio. But a lot of the major recording studios who are doing music production will use high-end preamps. For a voiceover recording, 
Keep in mind what our product is being used for. We're not going into national distribution on a music album. Our, mus- our voice track is going to be used in a radio or a TV commercial. Or right. it's going to be used as a voice track in a cartoon where there's going to be a whole slew of music and sound effects and other voices and other things that are going on in the recording. Our job is to record and deliver a high-quality recording of our voice. Okay, if you want to spend $1,000 on a preamp to incrementally increase the quality that you would get by using uh, a USB interface, like a, a Focusrite that's got already good preamps in it, or a great mixer that's already got good preamps built into the mix bus on that. All right, that's up to you. Will it get you the job? No. If you get it, one no. of those? It's you not want. about the equipment. It's okay. about your performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A great preamp might be a really nice toy to have, but the bottom line is nobody cares. The clients don't care what your equipment is. Interesting. They only care about what you are doing with your voice. How are you delivering your performance? And that it's a clean, high-quality recording. And you can do that, you know, for under three or $400 of equipment. You don't so need... So you get the interface with the preamp already built in, you're fine if they have yeah. good preamps in them. Yeah, well, as long as you're getting one of the name-brand interfaces. You know, Focusrite has a very good reputation. Uh, some of the other preamp, or, uh, preamp USB interfaces out there are also very, very good. Well, that's interesting because there are a lot of people, I think, that just realized they wasted about eight, eight to thousand dollars right there and they're still not getting the jobs. And uh, but it, it could be that seduction if I only get this one. I'm sure you've met people that oh, they, yeah. they overspent their means. And uh, instead of spending like you're I see the frustration that instead of spending it on the technique or, or the uh, to emote, they have overextended themselves and now looking and, and they're still frustrated that they're not getting the work. But it's funny because they have these vintage kind of preamps, too, that say, oh, it, uh, it'll make you sound a certain way. But do you not want to color it? You want a flat product that you deliver, right? Clean and, 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 and flat. Clean and flat. Um, my and they'll do all the rest. They'll, they'll doctor it. Don't try to no. color the, the, the audio for, you know. No, no, don't. don't mistake. There, there are some, there's some um, qualifications on that. For example, if you have consulted with somebody who knows what they're doing and you are recording in your home space and there's something acoustically problematic with your recordings, it might be possible to adjust, make some corrections with an equalization setting you know, bump up the mid-range or bump up the lows or reduce the lows. You know, something in the, in an EQ setting might complement your voice with whatever microphone you're working with. Um, oftentimes, the problem is not your voice and it's not the acoustics of the space, it's the microphone. You're simply using a microphone that does not represent or reproduce your voice ideally. Um, How do you I, know? And you should, just by comparing. Uh, different the only way you know is to know. compare. And, you know, I have probably a dozen microphones in my closet. Um, I have, just to mention a couple of brands, I have an AKG C14 uh, or AKG 414C condenser mic. Really nice microphone, 
my voice sounds like crap on that mic. I have a Neumann TLM 103, which is when it came out, it was the first generation of the of the lower priced Neumanns, and it was designed for voiceover. And awesome, I got that mic, I brought it in. I sound horrible on that microphone. <laughs> I have You know, uh, I've tried it and I've tried that microphone in um I was going to say like Sam Ash or whatever, and I don't sound good either on that. Yeah. Although I've brought other people into the booth, I'll put them on the 103. Oh, and they shine. They sound awesome. People so, say it's like chocolate. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, they, they just sound beautiful on that mic. Same thing with the 414. They'll, you know, I'll put them on the AKG and, you know, I don't sound good on that mic. It, it, it's got way too much sensitivity for my taste for, you know, when I'm working it, but I put somebody else on that mic and they sound brilliant. It sounds great. Um, when I use my Sennheiser 416, which is my mic of preference uh, at the moment, um, when I use that microphone, I sound awesome. That microphone works great for me. Now, it's a $1,000 microphone, but I get the sound the that I need. And the work. And I'm, I'm, I'm not running that through any external preamps. That hmm. comes directly into my audio board. So I'm working wow. with the preamp that's in my mixer. That's interesting. It really is interesting because you, if you, that saying, don't believe the hype, you know, you gotta, you gotta try different microphones and, um, yep. but sometimes it gets noisy in those places. Those, uh, you have to go to one of those, I know like B and H and New York city or, yeah. or Sweetwater. I'm sure there are places by you where they have little rooms that are isolated where you can mm -hmm. try the microphone. And it sounds like, yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah. That or, you know, start making connections with the local recording studios. And if, you know, if you can get into a recording studio on an off hour and, you know, just let them, you know, say, I, you know, I just, I'd, I want to come in. I want to, I'm, tr I'm looking for a new microphone. I'd, I'd like to be able to test and see what I sound like in a good space. Yeah. You know, a lot of studios will let you do that. Then why do, why do we think, you know, the next piece of equipment is going to be the one that's going to be the one, honey, I'm going to get the, you know, all the auditions if, uh, if I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's uh it could be like the don quixote of voiceovers you know you think exactly, about just yeah. uh to dream and yeah. uh but it's all about the talent and so that i think people it, it might even be an addiction for some oh i think it is i mean especially a lot of guys out there uh, especially guys who come from radio um because what you know for people who come from radio and want to get into voiceover radio is you know, they, they've got this mentality of the electronic toys. Mm -hmm. And they just, you know, if they're building their own home studio, they want it to be like their radio station. So they're going to get expensive mics, expensive preamps, expensive USB interface, expensive board, expensive software. Hopefully spend some money on acoustics. And they're going to bring all their radio experience in with them which is going to be their downfall because they're yeah. not voice talent. They're radio you jocks trying to do because, voiceover. Because it doesn't sound human and everyone wants a normal speaking voice today, not the, uh, yeah. hey, they want uh, just they want you to just to sound like a normal person. And yep. uh, that's that's probably got to hurt if you're well, in radio and you spent your whole life learning how to overemphasize and then you have to learn to under. And I've even heard that in voiceovers that it's the people who can learn to kind of pull back a little bit are the ones that, 
really have the little nuances that get them the job, not the ones that overly emote. One of the keys, uh, and I learned this from a film director uh, here in town, uh, one of the keys to creating the conversational tone and the conversational delivery, it's two, or th- actually three words, faster and flatter. What do you mean by that? Faster and flatter simply means that to create the conversational delivery, you're going to speak the words a little more quickly and you're going to flatten the intonation. Hmm. Interesting. How would that sound? I mean, if I were going to talk to you, let's just say... Uh... Okay, actually, there's a... Um, I forget what page it's on, but there's actually a little script in there um, about avocados. If yeah, you, want... you know what? You mentioned that. I think the first time we, you did mention that. Give me one second and I'll find the uh, where that script is. Do-do-do. I'm pretty sure the first interview, I remember you mentioned that yep. about the avocados, but we need the, we need the avocados again. By the way, avocados are high in uh, B12. <laughs> Those that are uh, wondering, and uh, you need B12, folks, for the uh, neurological, you know, to be at the height of your game. My, I have the script memorized. But I'm, I'm interested now because I, I struggle with that, and I think a lot of people do, uh, sounding natural. Um, well, yeah, the conversational, the natural conversational read is probably one of the most difficult things to achieve. Sometimes, uh, if you don't mind me saying, I'm watching television and I say to my wife, you know, I'm, I'm sick of these kind of flat voices sometimes. I really am because it's, it almost sounds like they're in a library kind of like the Lexus SM, you know, they're just kind of like that. And, and they never really get beyond. That's that. a dramatic read. Okay. That's a dramatic read. That's not a faster and flatter, not conversational. Okay. Because um, you hear those reads a lot. Yeah. Some of, the, some of those are on the edge of conversation, but uh, the conversational read is really something where it's, it's, it sounds like this is how people really talk. Um, I found a different script in here. Uh it's on page 98 of the fifth edition. So if you flip 98, over, let us 98. open. <laughs> huh? Yes, yeah, so open, open to page 98, please. Yes, 98, Pastor. Hold on. <laughs> uh, Pastor Alberger will preach a message now. We're on page 98. Yes. Still trying to find the avocados. Should we pray before or? Sorry? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, as long as we're on the subject here, I'm not talking about prayer necessarily, but I was going to say, if people only knew to how to take their voice, okay, and sound natural, wouldn't that save a lot of problems? I mean, wouldn't everyone succeed in voiceovers if they could only no. learn how to just speak like they know you say? No, no. Why is that? Because it's not about just speaking like yourself. When you're, when you're working in a, in, in, in a role of acting, you are taking on the role and the characteristics of a character. That character is nine times out of 10, not you. It, mm-hmm. There might be some similarities, but it's not you. The relationships of that character are not yours. The behaviors of that character are, are different from yours. If you just deliver the lines of a script strictly as you, you're a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do. 
Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because there are voice actors out there who make a very good living doing variations of themselves. However, I do believe that the more successful voice talent are those who have an ability to stretch beyond the boundaries of their own comfort zone and can create characters with personalities and behaviors and tones of voice and attitudes that are outside of who they really are. Mm-hmm. I imagine people like that better because it's fun to be different, uh, to put themselves into the, uh, see, I guess that's what makes these folks more successful, putting yourself into the script, putting yourself into the character. And uh, as you mentioned, only some really have that gift. And if you, I guess if you work hard enough, you can, but uh, so we're going to let you find. Well, I found, <laughs> I found the, uh, I know that you're, <laughs> There's a well. This script you almost this, there, James. No, I have no idea where it is. I, I know, I know it's in here someplace, but um, May, right off the top June, of my head, July, I don't. August, September. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have a. There's a script on page ninety-eight. Okay. Which is it's actually I use this script for timing. It's a timing exercise for doing the copy within ten seconds. All right. <clears throat> And the script basically is, well, why don't you read it? You've got the book there. Okay, I do have it. Okay, oh, now now I, I, I lost my place. Hold on. On page 98, 98, it's the come in today. Okay, let me, let me get it. 98, coming today. Let me see. Okay, okay, I got it. So, all right. So, do I read this in kind of the overworked up? Um, well, okay, let's, let's over kind of sound, or do I try to go for the natural sound? This will pro- pretty much be a cold read for you. So, just let your instincts guide you through your delivery. All right, and, and so try and, to do it like I would really want to do it. Right, do it like you do it like you would do it. Okay. Um, come in today for special savings on all patio furniture, lighting fixtures, doorbells, and buzzers including big discounts on hammers, shovels, and power tools, plus super savings on everything you need to keep your garden green and beautiful. Okay, you came, brought that in at 16 seconds, a little over 15, actually. Mm, that's too slow. Too slow. See if you can bring it into 10. All right. Coming today for special savings on all patio furniture, lighting fixtures, doorbells, and buzzers, including big discounts on hammers, shovels, and power tools, plus super savings on everything you need to keep your garden green and beautiful. Okay, a little over 12 seconds on that one. So one more time, pick it up by two seconds if you would. All right. Coming today for special savings on all patio furniture, lighting fixtures, doorbells, and buzzers, including big discounts on hammers, shovels, and power tools, plus super savings on everything you need to keep your garden green and beautiful. Okay, it's about 11 seconds, but we'll work with yeah. it. Okay, so better than that. now each time you have increased your tempo, but you've maintained musicality throughout your delivery because okay. your, your pitch is going up and down. Mm. including, and buzzers, including big discounts on hammers, shovels, and power tools. So you got that musicality going. Mm -hmm. So this time, flatten the musicality. Okay. So um, this is going to be stepping out outside of you just a little bit. And pick up the tempo a tad as well. So you're going to speak just a little bit quicker and flatten the, the musicality of it. All right. And would you say more enthusiasm too, or um, you could put a more of a smile on your face? Okay. Okay. Here we go. 
<laughs> I'm a nervous here. Okay. Come in today for special savings on all patio furniture, lighting fixtures, doorbells, and buzzers, including big discounts on hammers, shovels, and power tools, plus super savings on everything you need to keep your garden green and beautiful. Okay, that was also 11 seconds, but hmm. no musicality. And you could, you also took a breath in there, which killed a half a second. <laughs> so, and part of this exercise is to deliver the copy within 10 seconds in one breath. Hmm. So, one more time. This will be our last time through. And the flattening of the delivery, could you tell a difference in the flattening when you pulled yes. out the musicality? Yes. It's starting to sound like you're just having a conversation with somebody. You're not I'm trying, trying to think to th of that the guy who B. Carl Lewis uh, Johnson is the last name, and the announcer goes nine seven nine, and he broke some record. He shouted that. I, I just want to break the ten second barrier here. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. And he got a. I think he got to his steroids or something. And he had to give up the medal, but that's another story. Okay, so here we go. Coming today for special savings on all patio furniture, lighting fixtures, doorbells, and buzzers, including big discounts on hammers, shovels, and power tools, plus super savings on everything you need to keep your garden green and beautiful. Ten seconds. Woohoo! So you did it in ten. Now, yeah. and the conversationality, when you go and listen to this back, you'll hear that your conversational tone is it's much more like you know, you're just sitting at a, at a table talking to somebody at a you know, mile a minute. You're just having a fast conversation with somebody. And you know something? I didn't even think about the delivery as much when by doing it that way. Right. I mean, I wasn't as conscious uh, about it. Maybe, I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I, I didn't think about it as much. Well, that's it, one of the benefits because, you know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, I can't remember if it was during, you know, before we started recording or earlier in the show. My mind is kind of vaporizing. That's okay. We spoke for like an hour before I know. the show. <laughs> Which was loads of fun. We, I had a great we, time. We got along well. That's okay. But, you know, at some point in time, we were talking <laughs> about the actor overthinking what they're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that's, that's a, it's, it, it's something that a lot of actors do. And when you intentionally speak faster and flatten your delivery, your focus is on speaking faster and flatter not on how you're going to deal with every individual mm. word that you're speaking. Yes. So it takes you away. You've done your analysis. You've mm. done your woodshedding. You've got, you know exactly what you need to do to tell the story. Now, okay, now that you know all that stuff, just let it go hmm. and tell the story. Give it to me a little bit faster, a little bit flatter. You know, there's so many voices, though, that come at you on the radio, on television, on uh, YouTube, or everywhere. And you, is everyone overemphasizing sometimes? I mean, maybe the ones that get the work are the ones that are doing what you're suggesting here. But sometimes you hear up and down and it's so noisy, the world we live in, that you, you think that you're supposed to sound musical almost. And that's not at all what they want. Um, if you're listening to national level commercials, you're going to hear very conversational, very high quality, very professional mm -hmm. Uh, professionally delivered actors. If you listen to local commercials, you're going to hear all kinds of weird voice tracks. <laughs> um, a right, lot I had of, my hand on the, on the buzzer just in case. Yeah, on really. The, on the bleeper. <laughs> um, well, now you're looking for something, I think, uh, whereas we're talking I'm still about. I'm trying I, to find I, that I other script, to, but I don't know where it is. Oh, well, while you're doing that, I want to ask you something. And first of all, how are we doing on time? Oh, um, by my recording, we're about an hour and a half. 
<laughs> That's okay. I mean, I can edit just, some and everything, but uh, how are you personally? You've I'm got good. like um, I'm good. You're you're good. Okay. Uh, I have something in my hand here, and it's a uh, it, just by way of example, it's a Samson SCOM Plus stereo compressor limiter. Okay. So what I'm wondering is, okay, now I have a I have a Samson mix pad mixer, and uh, the audio interface. With the uh, the preamp included inside and everything, would something like this make the program more? Um, how can I say this? Would it sound more like radio crunchy, or uh, do you need that? Is the sound quality, which I think sounds pretty good on the program, do you not want to get involved with something like that? Or I thought perhaps I've never used it, but I thought maybe it would help. You know that the fact that it's a compressor limiter does that would that help to make it sound more like those. Uh, FM radio shows, or would you say you could do without it? I'd say you can do without it. You could do my, without it. What would happen if I use something like this right here? Now it's going. It's going to depend on what the ultimate purpose of the recording is. Uh, I generally, for a voice talent who is strictly delivering voice tracks, yes, my recommendation is. Average your, your recording levels at minus 12 on your digital VU meter. Do not allow peaks to go past minus three. Okay. So you're just now getting up a little bit into the orange. You know, average around minus 12, peaks around no louder than minus three. Mm-hmm. Um, no EQ, no compression, no limiting. The <laughs> only signal processing that should be used, and if it is used it should be used judiciously, would be if you absolutely have to do something to reduce or eliminate any background noise in the recording. And that, would be, an, Interesting. that would be a denoiser or noise reduction. Another, uh, another piece of software that might be used would be a declicker. If you've got excessive mouth clicks, mm-hmm. there's software that'll take the mouth clicks away or soften them. I have a feeling that people overdo it. I really do. I have a feeling that from based on what you're telling me, people doctor up this stuff. And does it drive these? Does it do just the opposite of what they hope? The the talent agent to hear it, right? Yeah. Um, The talent buyers know what compression and limiting sound like. And if you, as a voice talent, are limiting or compressing your voice track because you think it's going to improve your sound or or raise be more your chances of getting the gig. Yeah. No, chances are you're overdoing it. If you hmm. don't know what you're doing with compression and limiting, you can easily well, probably destroy is maybe a little bit too harsh, but not really. You can seriously damage your, your voice track, your recording or your audition. Wow. So my recommendation to all my students and you know, whenever I'm talking to somebody uh, about this is no, com- no processing, just deliver the cleanest, hmm. best performance you can. Let them deal with processing at the other end. You just, your that job is to them give a lot them a of money. I'm going to recording. tell you what, you probably save people a lot of pain and heartache because I'm sure they're trying to dial in just the right thing and just the right piece of equipment. This will work with that, the elbow connected to the, you know, that type of thing. And the, the whole uh, sound chain 
Well, the, the more simplistic is certainly, as you're saying, get get the best mic you can afford, at least, I, I think, you know, that, where that makes your voice sound good. Mm-hmm. And as far as a compressor limiter for a podcast, would it would it give it more of a, of a radio station sound? And that's the reason I was looking at that. Or or, or do you think that uh, this is better the way it is right here? Well, com- compression and limiting certainly will give it's going to tighten the sound because that's what a compressor limiter does. The compressor brings up the low volumes. The limiter keeps the loud parts of the recording from exceeding a certain level. So you're basically scrunching the dynamic range of the recording. See, I wonder if that, I have to try it, you know? I mean, the next time we are, (laughs) hopefully I'll have that uh, connected up and we'll see if it makes a difference or not. But uh, uh, I'm I'm, I'm just wondering. it's, It's really easy to overdo compression and limiting. I really see. easy. And, you know, as I said, it'll, uh, it can very easily uh, damage the voice track recording. And so even for a podcast, would you say stay away from it? I'd say stay away from it. Now, stay away from it. Okay. Now, okay, well, here, um, again, this gets down to what's the purpose of the recording. If you need... And you'll have to kind of experiment with this to test it to see exactly how it plays. But if you discover that, let's say you're doing a podcast and you discover that the voice is a little bit difficult to hear when the lawnmower kicks up outside. Mm-hmm. Okay, throw in a little bit of compression on it. Um, you may not need to limit it. You might, if it's a compressor limiter combo, it you know it may do both things at once, but you know, you can try tightening up your dynamic range. That is going to, it'll bring the voice a little bit more forward in the mix. Yeah. Um, but you know, test it judiciously, Just test different, uh, compression mm-hmm. ratios, you know, to comp- try a three to one, try a six to one, try a 10 to one, see what they, what the differences are. With yeah. The that's same a good recording. Point. But I mean, the, the generally though, the ear, the human ear, does the human ear like simplicity too? Not, you know, if you can just get something that, um, I mean, we're so used to that kind of radio sound, you know, the crunchy uh, compression and stuff. But is that changing? I mean, do people now prefer more more of a flatter, natural type of thing? Well, again, it depends upon what the project is. Yeah. It depends. Radio That's stations true. are known for that really Sorry, tight, geez. crunchy <laughs> sound. You know, it's television, too, to a certain degree. Um, you know, they and they run an incredible amount of compression on a lot of, you know, on the programming that they're putting out on the air. Part of that is because when they tighten the compression ratio and they tighten the dynamic range, they get further, they get more distance from their transmission. I was going to say, sometimes it sounds like for television that the music is too loud, even for sports. I was saying to my wife, it was, was the NBA finals. And I'm not a real big basketball fan, but I was, it was something to watch on television. And it just seems sometimes that the music or the background is noisier than the actual talent in commercials. I don't know if that's, I read something where that's apropos in television, especially where the music is maybe a little louder than the talent sometimes. I don't know if that's the way it should be or not. Um, you know, some of that depends upon how the mix is being done. There, there are standards for broadcast uh, in terms of loudness. You know, um, how, how, how is the sound measured in terms of how loud it is? 
And so there are standards for that. Um, but again, you know, if, the sh if it's a program that's being mixed live and they're rolling in music from the TV truck and you've got announcers in the press box who are delivering play-by-play -play or something and you've got a crowd mic out on the, you know, in the arena, the sound guy is really working at a disadvantage because there's <laughs> so much stuff going on. Because he's not only just a, a little bit of insight uh, yeah. for a TV sound mixer during a live sporting event, especially. Here's what's going on. You've got your microphones for your play-by-play -play and color, your announcers, your announce team. You've got microphones many times on the cameras at different parts. So you can pick up, those are spot mics, which are going to pick, be picking up certain sounds like uh, uh, baseball bat cracks or you know sounds from football players or whatever. So you'll have spot mics going on and you, and you will have uh, videotape or tape playback inputs for different um, kinds of roll-ins, you know, interviews or even commercials in some cases, but there'll be roll-ins for sound and video. And then you'll have another input for music playbacks, which might be coming off of either tape or something that the audio guy rolls in. There could easily be 12, 15, or 20 different sources all happening almost simultaneously. So the sound guy in the truck has to mix all of that stuff together. Wow. Now, while he's doing that audio mix... Talk about multitasking. <laughs> Yeah, well, here's where it gets tricky. While he's doing the audio mix, there's also, he's either, it's usually on a little box that's someplace in, in his room in the truck. And hopefully his room in the truck is fairly acoustically isolated and sounds good. And he's got good speakers. Uh, while he's doing his audio mix, there's also this little speaker that's constantly blaring because the director up in the front of the truck is calling all the shots. So he's also he's got this continuous conversation wow. going on in his room at the same time as he's trying to do an audio mix. So if the music gets a little loud on a toss to a break or something, I'm sorry, but the audio guy deserves a lot of credit just to get sound on the air. I feel bad. Excuse me. I'm you're right. You're right. You you know, you, I, who knows what goes on behind the scenes? And you know something? Now that's a great lead in for your expertise and everything that you've done from Hollywood to, you know, local television, everything. What, what are the behind the scenes things that only you would know and that you can make it kind of fun where people are oblivious to just because I think that was a great example that you talked about with sports. Um like a movie set or a commercial or just different, you know, what, what are some of the things people are surprised about? They don't realize what, what these sound people go through. Well, I'm, let's just take voiceover for one. I mean, most people, uh, you know, if, if you've watched the, the making of featurettes on a DVD for an animation feature, you, you might have a little bit of a taste of kind of, of what goes on during a voiceover session. Cause some, you know, animations will usually have something about the voice talent. But most people really have no concept of, of what actually goes on in a recording studio. There was, I forget which the, what film it was, but it was Halle Berry was the actor. And it was in one of the special featurettes. And she basically said that she was hired to do the voiceover for this cartoon, the animation feature. And it was the first time she'd ever done 
uh, that kind of a voiceover work. And she said she walked into the studio. They ushered her into, she first went into the control room, met the producers and all that. And then she was escorted into the studio. And she said the only thing in the studio was a stool, a microphone stand, a copy stand, and a pair of headphones. Hmm. That was it. And she said, I was terrified. <laughs> I've never had to experience performing <laughs> under those conditions. <laughs> and for an actor who's never done voiceover before, it's spooky. It can be really scary. Because uh, I work with a lot of actors who come into my studio and try to do voiceover. And some can be really, really good. And others are like, um, okay, I'm here all by myself. How do I interact? See, that's the thing, right? Right what you just said. The fact that, you know, I like the podcast because I get to draw out the guest and, sure. and interact and there's a time to talk and it's there's timing involved and there's just, it's exciting to me. But then then you are trying voiceovers or at least, you know, if I try it and it can feel very kind of confining or you are not really sure what had to, had to be prompted into into emoting something or what to give really you know mm -hmm. when you have a guest you know what to give or what to draw out or what to it's but that was a very good point you mentioned i think people struggle with that yeah so i mean so that's you know one of the behind the scenes things mm -hmm. that's from the performing side from mm -hmm. the engineering side it's a different world because uh most voice actors are working at home in their own personal recording space they are their own recording engineer. So they may not know much about editing. They may not know anything about equalization, limiting compression, processing, or any of that stuff. For them, my recommendation is don't even worry about processing. Just make sure mm -hmm. that your voice is as clean as possible. Mm -hmm. And know how to know a few little tools of how to fix that if it's not, and how, know how to edit so that you can assemble a clean, uh, polished voice track that sounds like it has the proper flow. Um, but don't worry about the technical tools of compression, processing, noise reduction, you know, that stuff. It's going to be overkill for most. Mm -hmm. But in a recording studio, that's exactly the kind of stuff the recording engineer is, is looking at. Because he's going for the best quality recording, which gets into microphone placement, um, how the talent is working the microphone, how the talent is actually performing for the script. And then the other layer on top of that is what kind of additional processing might need to be done to enhance that performance. You know how they have the producers that do the audio tune or they make someone like Britney Spears sound great? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> forgive me, Britney Spears. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. In other words, uh, they, they can be greatly enhanced. And so sometimes I've heard these uh, voice demos and you just know that they went to someone really good because it's you could tell it's a, a subpar talent, right? But these producers or these uh, audio engineers, they can make someone... Oh, yeah. Man, sound good. Have you oh, had to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got, as engineers, I mean, I'm, I'm a recording engineer. I'm also a director, a producer, and editor, and a talent. But I cut my teeth on, on the, the engineering side of the technology. And uh, we've got some amazing tools to play with. Hmm. I mean, I've got 
pitch changing tools where I can take a voice, you know, not I'm not talking in terms of a song, but I'm talking in terms of of the delivery of a line. And let's say somebody says the line and at the end of the line they have a little up speak. So their their line goes up at the end. Well, I have software where I can reverse that and I can wow. just in the software <laughs> I can flatten that up speak to come out like up speak. Wow. To flatten it out. Oh, I can change awesome. the pitch on on the stuff. That's awesome. Doesn't change the articulation or the inflections, right. but it it changes the the pitch tonality. There's software out there to do just about anything with a voice, including, hmm. and this one is really scary. There is actually software out there where the software can sample your voice. So I have a little template yeah. of your voice in my okay. software. And now I go ahead and I record something with my voice. But what I do now is I take your template put it onto my voice track, and now it sounds like you are saying the words that I just spoke. How does that happen? Oh, it's te- it's in the technology. That's amazing. I have no idea how it works. But that I reminds know me of there. those apps for faces, you know, when they take a picture of someone's face and they put it over someone else's face. Yeah. You know, and they did something like Meghan Markle and uh, in the Queen, uh, I don't know, and they, they would show what the face would look like on top of, I mean, that's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That really is incredible. So, um, so you brought up some good points with some of the things that, well, you know, people take for granted or don't know or are oblivious to. Any others you could think of when it comes to either uh, film or uh, what goes on in a news crew or uh, television? Oh. Um, we could we could have a whole other conversation about about television and film. <laughs> We should uh, do that. With the bo- yeah, <laughs> we should to. do that sometimes. I mean, I think now we're just getting, this is very interesting to a lot of people because every day they hear things or see things. They have no idea what goes behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, take a poll with your listeners and, and you know, and see if they'd, you know, okay. they'd be interested in having a conversation <laughs> on, you know, behind the scenes in a TV yeah. set or, or a TV station or, or a film set. Yeah, because, that's yeah, a good I, idea. I you know what I want to get? I want to get, a, talking about uh, audios, I want to get a Comrex. Because okay. with a Comrex, then I could take the calls that come in. And that would just, I think, change the program uh, to another level where, you know, they don't, they're not that much. I think you can get them like a hybrid. I don't know. I'm trying to get them as a sponsor for like $1,600 or something like that. And then you can take calls. So, okay. With just a few more questions here, um, you mentioned about, you know, don't worry about compression. Don't worry about equalization. Now, what about the mistakes when it comes to editing? Do we do people? I know a lot of people over edit when they're doing voiceovers yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, how do you? Is that another example that someone would get a job, or if you if you don't mess it up too bad with the editing, uh, you should be fine. Um, yeah, assuming all things are are good in the performance. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, producers know that auditions are edited. I mean, they understand that. But they, what they want to hear is as authentic and genuine a performance as they possibly can. And in terms of editing, probably the biggest mistake that people make in editing is that they they take out too many breaths. Okay. Or when they take out the breaths, they don't adjust for the timing. Uh, and an example of that is if I, I don't have software open, so I can't record something and, and 
and demonstrate that, but uh, maybe on another call if I can be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, what happens when somebody takes out the breath, what they'll do is they'll remove the, the sound from their recorded file from the end of a word to the beginning of the next word. Because maybe they said, uh, I'm going to go down the street and then I'm going to walk into the room. All right, so between the end of the word street and the beginning of the word and, there was that big breath, big mm-hmm. pause, big breath. So what they'll do is they'll cut from the end of the word street, at the end of that T, they'll edit there, they'll edit out, and then they'll come right in at the beginning of the word and. So what happens is the phrase says, I'm going to go down the street and I'm going to go into the room. So the word and abruptly occurs after the the word or at the edit point. Mm-hmm. So the words are too tight together. Um, what needs to be done is to adjust the timing so that the, the natural phrasing of the words is maintained. I'm going to go down the street and go into the room. And so, is it better to have a little bit of a breath there for voiceover talents out there depends. rather Not, than to, you don't want to cut that, you know, to say, hey, I was able to get the breath all the way out there. You can't hear the, or anything like that. But at the same time, now you hear the kind of like a clip at the end where it's a. Well, and that comes in into the editing process and being able to monitor what you're editing, which gets back to headphones and good quality speakers uh, for the voice talent. If you have good quality uh, headphones, do you need the the speakers, the monitors? Mm, Not necessarily. It's it's an individual choice. I cover that in the book. I talk about the, 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 the difference between using headphones and speakers. And sometimes you might want to use speakers. If you're doing, if you're editing an audio book, trust me, you do not want to be under headphones. (laughs) <laughs> the whole day. Um, I mean, if you're I'm just doing to hit you on with short as many last questions as I can, but that's a that's a good point. Yeah, that yeah. would get laborious. Yeah, it's you know, like it a marathon anyway. Doing the audiobooks. So, okay, so last question I have. Yeah. Okay, last one. So, what about when it comes to a shock mount? They have all kinds of expensive microphones. You mentioned the TLM 103 and other ones. Uh, some of them have. When it comes to this little device, you can kind of um, turn it underneath it and secure it uh, onto a stand. How important would you say a shock mount would be for um, one of those microphones versus putting it on a stand without it? Uh, the, the shock mount's going to depend upon where the microphone is going to be placed in terms of your space. If you have the microphone on a tripod base mic stand so that there's the entire surface area that is connecting with the floor of the space amounts to about three square inches, which is the, the three little tips of the, of the base. Um, you're, going, you're not going to get a lot of floor vibration coming up through the mic stand and into the microphone. So you probably don't need a shock mount. You really don't need one. Okay. You may not. Boy, they may, they really, it must be marketing. They say, hey, not only that, it has to be the exact uh, model that goes with the microphone. Any of these other ones? Well, and, you know? and that part's true because if you okay. are going to get the shock mount for, you know, for one of those mics, most of those microphones are, they're not standardized in their size or dimensions. 
Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to use a shock mount, you pretty much have to use the shock mount that comes with the mic. And with the really expensive microphones, guess what? The shock mounts are really expensive. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I would think that you'd want to use it with one of the, you know, they secure it to a table and it's kind of has the um, the spring on it. I would think with something like that is secure, you'd want a shock mount, right? Or uh, if it's be- a, I, I do not recommend attaching any kind of a supporting structure to the desk that you're working really? at. Interesting. Um, because... What's going to happen? Well, right now, I mean, if I if I do this, you can probably hear that springy yeah, sound. Yeah, I can hear that. See, that's because I am on a spring-loaded uh, uh, boom stand in my studio, and the well, listen to this. If I do this, you can probably hear that coming in as well. Yeah, I can I'm, hear that. I'm just tapping on the desk. That th- my oh, that uh, boom me. stand. <laughs> that was me that time. Is, well, I'm, ta- I'm just, <laughs> I was tapping on the desk, and what happens is the acoustic energy from my, me bumping the desk goes right up through the boom stand and right into the mic. And I've got a shock mount on my mic. Hmm. This has an elastic shock mount. That's crazy. And so many people you see, you know, you go on YouTube or just, uh, I'm sure I'm sure there are voiceover people that have this thing secured to their table, and that's that's the incorrect thing to do, even if it has a shock mount. Yep, because any acoustical energy is going to still transmit right through your your stand, your boom, wow. your boom arm, especially if it's got springs on it. It's going to. I use something like this, which is like is one of these pieces of foam here. Okay. Yeah. And then I put the. I put the uh, stand, I have like one of those um, tripod type tripod of stands, stand, yes. and I put it on the acoustic foam to uh, avoid any vibration. Is that, is that good or bad? It won't avoid it entirely. It'll dampen it. So it'll reduce the vibrations that might, I mean, if you bump your desk uh, or you type on your keyboard or something, if it's on there, it'll dampen that. It you know, may reduce it to a point where you're not going to hear it, but it won't eliminate it entirely. Tripod stand, boom stand, or desk stand? Does it matter? My recommendation is a boom stand off to the side so it's on the floor and not connected in any way to your desk except through the microphone cable. You know, I'm going to get that Comrex, and if there's anyone listening here, well, of course there are people listening, but I want to say if somebody <laughs> wants to donate one, uh, a Comrex for the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show, we'd love to hear from you because that way we'll get a lot of uh, phone calls coming or you could interact with the guest james r alberger he's been our special guest the book is special too the voice actor's guide to professional home recording and uh if you like the conversation here you're going to learn a lot more in that book and also the legacy book which he has the art of voice acting the craft and business of performing for voiceover and as a matter of fact it's going into its sixth edition and it's it's heavy i mean it's got lots of stuff in it that you're going to need to succeed um where can people buy your books um voiceacting.com is my website uh if anybody's interested in what i do for sound and video my voiceover website is jamesallberger.com that's james and my last name is A-L-B-U-R-G-E-R. And my website for uh, sound for video and film, which is my on-location and audio post-production services, that is simply allberger.com. To, to be continued, part yes, three. That we'll continue that another time. <laughs> I want to sound like uh, that guy, a uh, movie trailer, part three. Part three. <laughs>
Never mind. James Alberger, thank you for being on the program. Once again, get the book, The Art of Voice Acting. That's his legacy book. And also the book that we've been talking about here. Uh, You really should get this one, The Voice Actor's Guide to Professional Home Recording. Get them both. And again, we appreciate you being on the program. My pleasure. Voiceacting.com is the website. Uh, Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instruments, stands and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to will use the Hamilton Stage Rocker Mic Stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And by Orlex Acoustics, which they have one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Orlex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's your room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. 